0: to cover stories b-sides uh today we have uh norma via is it via villa
1: via like via bus
0: okay cool that's mm-hmm. what i thought i just want to make sure uh norma runs instagram account sotx scene uh where you from i understand you just take photos videos of local musicians here in san antonio and you've got an awesome following got a lot of great content on there thanks for coming on
1: thank you very much i really appreciate it
0: yeah, for sure. Um, so you wanted to talk about the Slackers cover of Like a Virgin by Madonna.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, why this song?
1: So I absolutely love the Slackers and um, they're a personal personal favorite of mine. Um, they're probably the band that kind of got me into ska in general. Um, I'm kind of a late-to-life ska lover myself, <laughs> but, you know, I'm very much, you know, loving it. And um, I did get the chance to actually go see the Slackers in New York City, uh, where they're from. Oh, cool. And, yeah, annually they host a, uh, was called a booze cruise. Um, so, you know, they just play on the top level of a boat, and it's open water to the Hudson River, and, you know, it's the best time of your life. And so, um, you know, they definitely, uh, they've played this, you um, they played this single before in the past, but hearing it, you know, live in New York City, um, you know, floating the, floating the river, it's just, it just added such memories, and you know, it was a really great time, so it's, it's definitely probably one of my favorite covers of theirs. You know, I've seen them do the cover live a couple of times, but uh, that was
0: pretty magical. That's dope. That's like an authentic New York experience, like seeing a Manhattan band.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was my first time seeing the Statue of Liberty. So cool. So, you know, the first time you get to see it it is with your favorite band, (laughs) you know, and they're fucking live right in front of you. It's just, it's the best. And it was great because, you know, when they did this cover, um, you know, we weren't the only boat on the Hudson. So, uh, Vic, he... Goes all out um, every year, you know the lead singer, and so he he was in full sailor's outfit, and <laughs> so of course you know we're blasting Madonna music, and everyone's just dancing and screaming and having a great time, and so another boat goes by, and he's like, oh yeah, they they definitely think we're a party boat
0: now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's rad. I, I you know it's funny because I we had a host guy episode, and I don't think we mentioned the slackers, and they were one of those bands who everyone talks about as being very important, but they often get forgotten. And I feel like a lot of it is because, I mean, this is the 30th anniversary this year. And I feel like because they came up around the same time that the third wave was getting popular in Orange County and because they're East Coast, they're a little bit, Slackers are more a little bit more two-tone, a little bit second wave, that they kind of get forgotten about until someone mentions them like, oh yeah, how could we forget the Slackers? Um, So you said you're late to Ska. Um, How late? Like when did you start listening to Ska in general?
1: So I, um, I'd have to say I didn't actually start really getting into the genre until my 20s. Um, in And, um, you know, there was a basic high school introduction. Um, uh, I went to Commarts And so, you know, we had a Westbound departure. And, you know, they have a very big Scott influence. Of course, Kevin Goes to College was around in the time and everyone heard the name. Um, but for me, it wasn't until that I was um, out of high school and into my 20s that Um, I heard it at work. Um, somebody, um, was at work and they were in the the warehouse and everyone was just, you know, you're kind of, when you're in the back warehouse, you're working on tags. Yeah. We've all worked retail (laughs) before. Right. Um, so they're, you know, we're playing music just to make the day go by and someone put on, um, the slackers. It was actually, you know, I remember the moment when they did it, it was, um, the album, the question. And, um, that song Manuel it just starts so large and so big and it's so attention captivating that, you know, I just remember hearing it and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, this is what music is supposed to sound like, (laughs) you know, and I I completely understand what you mean with, you know, the slackers kind of getting forgotten about, um, you know, one of my favorite things about the slackers is that I feel like their their sound is a lot more traditional ska, probably, um, you know, sixties. Era yeah. ska music, um, you know they they easily fit in with bands like the Scotta Lights and you know Toots and the Maytals, you know that kind of sound. And I feel like when a lot of people hear ska, you know they stop at two tone. You know they hear the Specials, Real Big Fish, and you know you see Checkerboard, everything, yeah. and you know Doc Martens, this, and and it's great, and it's you know it's absolutely um, you know as you said it's definitely the second wave. But I feel like the Slackers gives such an appreciation to more first wave traditional ska that you know it's it's definitely one of those things that there's not a huge following for anymore but it's kind of they're one of those bands that everyone agrees like the slackers can't do any wrong yeah. you know like everything they do is just amazing
0: I think that getting into the slackers it, like you that's like the still the cool version of ska like I, I love like third wave and, and real big fish and, and less than jake and then but that's kind of the dorky side of ska and, and like I still am, like unapologetic about it but it's slackers are one of those bands that like it was cool to like them in front of like the punk kids like because they like them too and it's just so nuts to, to think about how they have this they, they were like around the same time they sound like an 80s band but they were really big in the 90s they hit their stride in the 90s and I think that the the spread of, of, you know, they were able to maintain what they did for so long because it wasn't associated with, like, the dorky side of Ska, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine making fun of Ska yeah. type <laughs> of era, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's really cool. I, I think that, that, like, that was probably, like, the best time to get into Ska because it wasn't as as saturated with the dorkiness. So it's cool to like that you were able to, to experience it in, in a way that wasn't, like, full of, you know, theater kids skanking around.
1: You know, it's hilarious because I did hear y'all's previous episode, um, you know, about Scott. And, you know, I remember you mentioning theater kids <laughs> and band kids, and I was very much a theater nerd myself. So, you know, I'm one of those kids that I wasn't in band. So, you know, I know they say that pretty much every band kid, you know, plays Scott at some point. Yeah. They're like, okay, cool, you're in horns. Okay, you're going to play Scott. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and so I know as Scott... A lot of people see it as more kind of like you said, like kind of a nerdy, dorky genre because you kind of have to know about it. But I feel like there's not there's not a huge as introduction to it as, you know, it's not as easy to pick up as, you know, listening to, you know, anything on the radio these days. But, you know, for me, um, you know, once I got introduced to kind of the right type of ska, it just was the kind of thing that just I couldn't, you know, I couldn't turn back from. You know, at that point.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think that um, you know, I when I think of slackers, I mean, I, I definitely put them up there like the specials, and um, even like the agri which is weird because agri lights are, are more like West Coast sounding, and uh, I would there's this documentary we talked about uh called Pick It Up. Have you seen that?
1: Um, actually I've only seen part of it, but yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen some of the interviews from the, from the interview, the documentary.
0: It's really good. Um, I, I think that it really paints a, a picture that goes beyond like the fret boy image and you know, they, there's a lot of, uh, redemption for, I've never had any distaste for Ru- Rubik Fish, but I feel like a lot of people do. And especially in the Scott community, there's a lot of redemption for them. Um, and just, uh, how that, you know, like Aaron, the lead singer was like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just liked ska and I liked he- hair metal, so like mm-hmm. this is what I thought was ska, you know, and uh, that just kind of became the face of it. But but he still, I mean, everyone in that scene is very knowledgeable of the Jamaican, the dubstep, and everything that came before that. So it's it's cool that that there is. This, this huge spectrum of ska mm-hmm. that, that people are now starting to kind of understand it's more than just like the checkerboard and everything
1: exactly exactly that's what that's where I feel like you know that's that's kind of my opinion on ska is I think if you if you stop at two-tone you stop at the checkerboard and you see that and then you don't dive deeper into it then you're kind of missing out but I mean I feel like it is it is coming back you know, a bit, there's a bit of a revival these days. Uh, Jason Mraz just came out with a um, ska reggae album. Oh, wow. R- right before quarantine. And um, he was about to go on tour for it. And um, he's going to be in Austin, I think, late July. Um, and they released four more songs. And it straight up says ska version, you know, this. And if you listen to it, it's really great. But it's really nice to see that revival of ska a little more mainstream. Yeah. And he actually ended up picking up. Um, Reggae Rog from Daggerlites, the keyboardist. So, you know, as you mentioned, Daggerlites, you know, very much online that with of the slackers. And, you know, it's funny how you mentioned, you know, punk music, too, because, you know, someone like Vic also played keys for Rancid, you know, some of their music. And, you know, it's it's funny how someone who's into ska can either be at a completely punk show, you know, or it can be this completely happy, you know, two tone show. And, you know, you would fit very well into either crowd you know, you know Doc Martens and all. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. Someone tweeted that, someone asked him to describe what ska sounded like, and he said it sounds like seeing a 12-year-old who just got told he's getting free mozzarella sticks.
1: Yeah, the infamous mozzarella yeah. meme. Yeah, that is, I definitely would say that's probably the, one of the most popular memes in all the Facebook groups right now.
0: When I read that, I hear Aquabats pizza day in my head. Like, oh. a, da, 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 you know, this is like, or I think it's my skateboard. One of those Aquabats songs. And it's just so funny because that's pretty spot on.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and I love it. I love the metaphor, you know, because it's just, to me, Scott's one of those songs that it's one of those genres that's just very happy. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, like every time I hear the Slackers, it's kind of the perfect backyard barbecue music. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of music that I want to listen to on a sunny day. And it's just me and my friends. And, you know, you just got a beer in the backyard and you're just hanging out. And it's kind of just the perfect music for that. You know, that's, I think that's why I had. So it's just a immediate taking to it. It's just, you know, it sounded like the music that I was missing all along, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like Red Stripe Taste, you know? like, yeah. <laughs> And I know there's an association there with Jamaica in general, but I, I think it's cool that, like, I've seen, I've read, I've watched so many interviews with Vic, and for one thing, he seems very down-to-earth, very, like, I mean, he's essentially a legend, and he, you would never tell it just from the way he talks about himself and his band. He's very, very quick to, like, give credit where credit's due. And I've seen so many like there's like amateur interviews with him on YouTube, and it seems like he's just down to do and even like outside of a show. Um, and, and yeah, I was reading about his his work with Rancid. He also worked at Transplants and that that connection there is just it's one of those I feel like the slackers are er, like your favorite ska band's favorite ska band yeah <laughs> you know they're like comedians comedian there's there to ska ska you yeah,
1: know they're great people all around you know you know like you said there's a lot of interviews out there and it, and it's funny because you know we're talking about one of their covers and you know there's an interview where Vic was actually quoted as saying that he never wanted to do covers Oh, really? know, he actually was completely against it and then just one day he just said you know what forget it let's let's steal a whole album, you know? And so they did it. They have a bunch of, you know, they have a bunch of covers now, but it's, um, it's definitely one of those things that I'm sure when you're a band for, you know, 20 plus years, you, you probably change your mind on certain things. But, yeah, for sure. Know, to be able to, yeah, just to be able to hold on to your, you know, such a sense of, you know, style of music, though, for that long, you know, I just, I think it's one of those bands you just really have to respect. You
0: know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that that cover album's on the radio, right? That's what it's called? Mm-hmm. Or radio? That's
1: why it's called the radio, yeah, because yeah, it's the covers, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it's cool because they start off with the Misfits cover and then yeah. goes, the second track is Like a Virgin. So it's it's fun to hear different types of influences, that, especially, like, you wouldn't expect Madonna but in doing research I found out Madonna was in like a ska-ish band before really? she was famous. She was in this band called The Breakfast Club and they're a little bit more like it was more like post punky a little bit new wave ish and then she started a band cuz she played drums for them actually. Oh wow. And um, she did 20% of like she was front fronting for some of them like some of the lead vocals and then she was 80% was playing drums. She didn't want to do that. She wanted to be the lead singer. They didn't want to They had a different. They had kind of a, a different way that they were going to look into getting bigger. It actually had like a number seven single, but then she started a band called um, Emmy and the Emmys because Emmy was like her nickname, and they have a song called um "Love on the Run," which sounds very very like two tone. Like <laughs> it's so wild. Like it's it's eighty three, I believe, is when it came out. Eighty three or eighty four. And, and yeah, it's Madonna. Like that's
1: it's- amazing. You know, it's funny you say that because um, my sister lives in California and um, one of the times I went out there to visit her, I actually saw a uh, Madonna Ska cover band. Oh, cool. And it was called Ska Donna and they do <laughs> only song, they only do Madonna songs and they're wonderful. And they, I think they actually got the chance to open for one of her recent album, uh, like release parties oh, cool. in California. So that's hilarious. I didn't know she had such a, a close relation to Ska, you know. Yeah.
0: It's so nuts, and it's one of those things that I feel like with with a lot of, I feel like alt women like rock is coming back. Olivia Rodrigo is is definitely like an indication of that. Oh, yeah. But you also have like Miley Cyrus is putting out like a rock album, and and it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. And I feel like either they don't realize that this is coming full circle, or they're actually influenced by those you know previous bands. And I feel like with Madonna when you listen to, like, her, her, any, any range of her music, you can hear the, like, harder, like, punk influence or rock influence, and it's there, you know, it's definitely instilled in in what she does. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah, no, that's amazing, yeah, and, um, yeah, and that's, I think that's super cool that, you know, that she used to, you know, play an instrument, I'm, I myself, I'm one of those, I picked up guitar during covid players you know i've been trying to play for about a year and i picked up a guitar i bought my first guitar this year or i'm sorry it was actually given to me as a birthday gift and it's a beautiful pink stratocaster and um you know so i'm all about women you know trying to get a little bit more into the music scene there if they can so you know bad respect madonna you know who knew what they were missing out on
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's just so wild. and you know i was doing research about like a virgin and the guy that wrote it wrote it from his perspective he wrote it for a male singer and then um now rogers got involved with the production of it and uh she listened to the song and really wanted to do it so they gave it to her and it's so interesting to hear that it's it was like from a man's perspective because there's so many instances where these female-driven songs are from a man's perspective it just sounds better coming from a woman you know and it changes their perspective a little bit but it also just Is better you know
1: yeah Yeah. and that's how ironic is it then that the slackers ended up covering it you know a man covered a female song and it was supposed to be that way in the first place you know it sounds very Shakespearean
0: yeah definitely (laughs) it's it's cool to to hear that I, I love I just love listening to people especially people who've been around in the industry for a long time just talk about their influences and talk about you get surprised about like what inspires them and, and to hear them do a Madonna cover, you know, you can you can hear it even before you know about her past, you know?
1: Yeah, and I absolutely love, you know, their musical influences because I feel like the slackers are a little more than ska. You know, they're, they're a little influence of rock steady. They've got some reggae in there. They've got a little bit of jazz. You know, they consider themselves Jamaican rock and roll. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> definitely on one of my t-shirts. You know? um, and one of their covers, uh, one of the other covers I thought about submitting was um, their live in Tokyo album. It's Slacking in Japan. Um, they actually covered um, "Gambare," which is a Japanese anime theme song. Oh, cool. <laughs> and so it completely sang in Japanese. And, you know, there's a huge love for ska in Japan and uh, Mexico, actually, as well. It's amazing how international, you know, ska has kind of gotten uh, recently. I feel like maybe that's part of where the revivals come from a little bit you know i think people are a little more open to just having like a horn section in their music these days
0: yeah definitely um i, I think that i mean for one thing you hear there was a sense where like skull was like a four-letter word in in the like alternative scenes where it was like i said we've talked about like the dorky image but um, I think people like Jeff Rosenstock are, like, bringing it back. And I love – Bond the Music Industry is, like, one of my favorite ska bands. Um, mm-hmm. I never really got into Arrogance son of a, Sons of Bitches, but, like, Jeff Rosenstock in general is so interesting because he threads the line on, like, ska – punk emo and like everything that has like garnished over the past 20 years that is jeff rosenstock so when he puts out an album and then re-releases it as a scott album like people are gonna take notice you know
1: yeah absolutely that's why like i said that's why i absolutely love you know the influence from you know jason miraz and just like random people that are just kind of reaching out to scott so it's <laughs> like you know scott's like the cool younger brother that you know has always been around and it's just really fun to hang around
0: you know <laughs> yeah definitely um i uh I've also I've seen like, like the Interrupters are are fairly new and they're conti- I don't know if it's fourth wave or fifth wave at this point, <laughs> but um I, when I first heard them I thought they I thought it was Brody from Distillers like her voice is very very similar and I'm like oh like Brody's putting out you know a scab I'm like no it's just totally different, <laughs> um I think it's cool that it's it's coming full circle and and you know I think uh Slackers are on tour or they're gonna go on tour with um oh what was the other band. It was them, the Agri-Lights, and have you heard of We Are the Union? oh uh, yes. So yes. Scott Network, the the, the uh, that person from Scott Two Network, yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah, that's actually one of those things that's actually doing a lot of good for the you know, yeah. Scott community. I feel like people kind of see Scott Network, and you know, definitely recognize that. So I think it's cool that they picked him up, definitely.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, you know We Are the Union. I think the lead singer just came out as as trans or non gender. I, I can't remember. But, like, they've done a lot for, for you know, the gay community and, and, and integrating Sky. That's what Sky was all about, you mm-hmm. know? So, it's really cool to... Go back to what it was about. That's something they talk about in that that documentary. Is that like it was very open, very diverse, and very it was all about you know unity in a yeah. sense.
1: I mean, if you look at the checkerboard symbol by itself, you know, black and white together, you know, very much racial unity at the time period. Um, you know, a lot of people attribute the checkerboard to the specials, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of talk about kind of where the symbol comes from, and it could be you know multiple different things. But I know you know definitely in the ska scene it was definitely meant to represent racial unity black and white dancing together and just you know being a beautiful harmonizing thing that music brings everybody together you know and it's absolutely wonderful symbolism um you know it's one of those things that you can even see like you know vans you know music you know clothing these days and they even have it on their website where they talk about two-tone they talk about you know mighty boss tones and um you know the revival of scott at the time, and. How it's just, you know, something like even the checkerboard is just so iconic. You know,
0: these yeah. The, it's so interesting, like, the social political like, themes behind Scott. Not just from, like, the Jamaican side, but, like, when, a bun- you know, Jamaica immigrated to... There's a lot of Jamaicans that immigrated to the UK, and that's kind of where the second wave started, you know? And bands like Madness and the Specials and Scatolites, you know, like, they were... I was watching an I- interview, and I can't remember the name of the documentary, but they were talking about, like, yeah, like to us these were just our, our mates we were just their mates like we weren't we weren't black and white or whatever you know and it was it was interesting I mean, obviously there's there's a lot more nuance to it now but just to think that 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 wasn't a big deal to them but it's a big deal in the wide spectrum of music itself you know
1: absolutely yeah i feel like there's so much you know cultural history that a lot of people just don't even necessarily recognize like ska is one of those things that i guess it's still kind of it kind of in the you know the worldview of history in general, it is still kind of new. Um, I mean, considering it kind of came around in the sixties, you mm-hmm. know, seventies, we, we still have the Skatolites. You know, the lights are still touring. They're one of the very first ska bands in general. And um but it is one of those things that I feel like has progressed and and you know, it's you don't really hear about different waves in any other genre. You know, it's <laughs> it's such a unique thing to ska when people talk about first wave, second wave, third wave. And, you know, arguably, are we in the fourth wave? Are we in a fifth wave? And, you know, I think it really depends on if if you associate the waves more with the time period that ska became popular or the sound that um, ska kind of revived around that time period. So it's up to interpretation.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's one thing. Like, I mean, if you see like a band like Skank and Pickle and um, Mike Park, Mike Park, I believe. Yeah, from Skank and Pickle. I mean, he started Asian Man Records, and there are so many comps from that era of like the late '80s, early '90s. You know, anti-racist uh, activism and stuff like that. And and it's it's so it, for a while it was so synonymous with ska, and it's kind of become more of like a, looking in hindsight now. At least there is like a, a more of a punk side to it, you know, in terms of of relating it to. It, but it definitely. Came out of this ska uh, movement, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean, the very idea of a rude boy, you know, it's something that I feel like the punk scene could very much associate with, you know, a rude boy, uh, you know, the term rude boy came from, you know, in. Jamaica, when they used to play music, they used to have these giant sound systems on the street. And so everything, of course, you know, it's kind of like these days, it's very locally done, you know, ran out of your house. Maybe I pass this out to my friends, but Rude Boys were hired from other music companies on the island to go and smash records of <laughs> other companies for the competition. So, you know, Rude Boy, come take your girl, cause a little violence. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's one of those things, I think that maybe that's kind of why, the symbolism of the rude boy has stuck around for so long because it's so it's so tightly associated with music but at the same time you know doing something kind of out of passion kind of a little reckless you yeah know, but still having fun you know stuff and fun with it
0: there's definitely like a i'm not completely like a teenage inks aspect of it but it definitely feels like you know you just yeah like you said just be reckless and, and enjoying the music and letting the music become a part of you in, in that way and that you know being defined by music is is something that is is something that we can all relate to in a way you know everyone talk there's like a there's a a, a concept about how your favorite music when you die is essentially the music you listen to when you were a teenager and that's like the music that even if you like were into like emo or whatever it, it leads to other things there's a gateway aspect of it and i feel like ska is definitely a gateway too the past, a gateway to getting into that era of music. And I think that, you know, most people, you know, you talk to now who are into ska or into like, you know, second wave or, or two-tone or whatever, they probably first heard ska in like a video game, a Tony Hawk video game, probably oh, like real yeah. big fish or something, <laughs> you know, and it just led from there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think my first introduction to ska was um, my half brother, um, Henry. um, He was living in California when I was younger. And so he would come down every summer to visit us. And, um, you know, it's one of the cheesier things that people associate, but no doubt, of course, I, I just remember him handing me tragic kingdom on a cassette tape. And just like, I was in the back of the car and I have this very distinct memory of him just handing it to me on a cassette tape, <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, it's back in the day it was so old that, you know, I was using cassette, but you know, that's when really they, they first hit the scene. Yeah. He was, he was living in California at the time. So it was kind of like a, magical handoff (laughs) moment, you know?
0: (laughs) That's rad. I love hearing stories about that. I think now that you mention it, it just reminded me that my introduction to No Doubt was watching um, MTV with my cousin. And I'm like, Oh, who's that Madonna? Fittingly enough. I'm like, Oh, is that Madonna? It was, it was the, the, uh, the don't speak music video. Oh. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was stupid I mean, he was four years older than me. So he is four years older than me. So he's just like, no, you idiot. Like <laughs> that's Gwen Stefani. And this is no doubt. Yeah, the queen. <laughs> and, and I always associate them with that music video. And then from there, like looking at their history, it's just so neat to, to see, you know, what, where it goes from there, where it evolves from there in your mind. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and no doubt it's definitely one of those bands that, you know, very much started out as Skull. They might have lost a little bit along the way, but, you know, they tried to do the Rocksteady album in the middle. And, you know, even though it wasn't as commercially popular, you know, it definitely tried, you know, they tried to go back in their roots when they, you know, I feel like they did that album. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I definitely appreciate the interrupters for, you know, trying to bring Skull back into, you know, like a mainstream. But there's so many bands just, just aren't on the radio that you really have to go to bit. You have, really have to go to shows like you know, when the slackers come to town, who who's opening for them? You know, you got to pay attention to, you know, who are the newer bands in the scene? There's so much good stuff to listen to.
0: For sure. I feel like I mean, we you talked about San Antonio when we were in high school and just, I mean, did you ever go to Scott explosion? Yes. Yeah. So Scott, I feel like the San Antonio Scott scene was pretty, was pretty wide. Like it, it's something that when I talk to people from other cities, like they, they had a scene, but it usually wasn't ska related. It's so weird that that, like San Antonio specifically, because I'm sure there's a lot of it. I mean, there's obviously like a lot of mariachi influence here, and, and you know, um, just the, the the fact that that's something that is easily to relate to, and and it's maybe two or three degrees off that t- you know Mexican music in general. And uh, but yeah, it's just so wild to think about all the bands you know that came through with ska explosion.
1: Yeah, yeah. San Antonio was really lucky. I feel like we. Did have a scene back in the day, and we do kind of still have a scene these days. And it's funny how ska really is popular in certain segments of the United States. So um, I actually do some social media management work for the Slackers, and so oh, cool. yeah, I, I work with them on their newsletter. Um, so if you ever subscribe to their newsletter on their website, I'm the guy that does this, that pushes the send button. So, um, I've talked with Dave a little bit about it and he's talked, uh, Dave Hilliard, the saxophonist from the soccers. Um, and he's talked about how it's kind of harder for them to tour these days because there is such a select pocket of love for ska in the United States. I mean, that's why they do the three days in Austin and three days in Chicago and they go on tour and, you know, they of course can do three days straight in New York City and Boston, but really outside of that, it's really hard to find kind of a crowd for shows, um, especially for uh, ska shows. So it's amazing that, you know, something like San Antonio has such a hub, you know, they mentioned Houston has a really nice ska hub. Austin has a really nice ska ska scene. um, And then so does, you know, San Antonio. So, but it's really, um, it's not as popular nationwide still. You know, I, I got to see the Slackers in um, South Carolina one time. Um, I went out there for some uh, family business and I, you know, it's amazing to see them, you know, sell out a club in San Antonio and then go play for, yeah. you know, 20 people, you know, in Charleston, South yeah. Carolina, you know, it's really lucky for me, but you know, it's one of those things where Scott's still kind of still kind of coming back, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned Austin because I've never thought about that, but Flamingo Cantina is like a huge, like headquarters of, Oh yeah. I feel like if I see any, if I Google or YouTube any like Scott band, like live Texas, it's going to be from Flamingo Cantina.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think if you, if the Slackers have uh, Flamingo Cantina um, uh, live uh, DVD, and I think it's from like 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, they've been, the Flamingo Cantina has been open for like 29 years, and um, Angela is absolutely amazing. And I went, and they said that they, you know, the Cantina was one of the first. Um, venues that they ever toured at oh, wow. and that's why they keep coming back um, because it's it was one of the very first venues that they ever you know ever played so you know cantina definitely has a huge huge love you know in the uh south texas kind of scene
0: yeah I, it's 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 so weird i saw mad caddies there 10 years ago maybe 12 and it was nuts because i mean this was Probably about a few years after like their, their big, you know, fat wreck, you know, era. And and then I saw them again about four or five years ago at the Corova before it closed. And it was a smaller crowd, but it was still just as uh, emotional in a way. Like yeah. it still felt very, you know, live. I didn't feel like there's times I go to shows and even if it's a band I love. If no one's moving around, I feel awkward.
1: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, for for me, for the slackers, it was um, the first time I ever saw them was at the Flamingo Cantina. And it was one of those bands that, of of course, I heard their music on album first and it was great. But when I saw them live, oh my goodness, you you just just got bit by the bug. You know, when that happens and it's just... Everybody in the room is just enthralled, and it's just that really special energy, you know. When you just sell out the place, and everyone's there for the same thing, and
0: yeah, but for yeah, sure. you gotta,
1: you gotta, you gotta be moving, you know. Like a big <laughs> part of ska is, you know, skanking and uh, dancing, and you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like we talked about, like with punk music, you know, you can have a mosh pit going in the middle of the room, or you can have a skanking pit going in the middle of the room, and you can kind of do whatever, and, yeah, <laughs> you know, whichever circle, and you'll be fine, you know.
0: <laughs> we uh, we always. Used to make fun of i mean living in i live in austin now and i lived there 10 years ago and we always used to make fun of austin was the place where you would cross your arms and kind of move a little bit like that was the vibe there and it was just very like it felt uncool to you just look like a drunk asshole if you're like moving <laughs> bodies around you know and um and, and i feel like Scott shows were always different even in austin and just it felt that like there are probably a lot of people who come from all around Texas to gather in Scott shows in Austin. And it, I've never gone to a Scott show where I felt like, man, I like I can't enjoy this because I can't move around. It's always just always dancing and always skanking and, and stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's like the happiest room of people that you're ever going to meet, you know, yeah. <laughs> go to a Scott show and you'll make some friends, you know, for
0: sure. Um, so when I want to talk about your your Instagram. The SOTX is it SOTX? Or do you pronounce it like S-
1: SoTex? Yeah, Sotex. It really is, it's really kind of up to you. Uh, yeah, it's um, SoTex scene. So it's spelled SOTX, but um, I call it SoTex. It's yeah, you know, it symbolizes South Texas, um, and really, you know, like we talked about Austin. You know, I just named it. A lot of people ask me, is it supposed to be SATX, you know, because it is San Antonio based? Yeah. And that's just because I live in San Antonio. But I always wanted to leave it open to South Texas because there are so many great small bands, not just in San Antonio, but in Austin and Corpus, Houston, the Valley, you know, and... Um, You know, whenever you have a local band, a lot of times, you know, what's the first tour that they'll do? They'll go to Texas, you know, go through, do the whole run through Texas. So, yeah, I really tried to leave the name open so that way I could cover pretty much any band that came through San Antonio. You know, and that way I don't have to be like, oh, well, you know, welcome outsiders. Yeah. We're we're all (laughs) from South Texas. So Tex.
0: Yeah. I feel very, like, that's kind of what we, originally we kind of just did San Antonio bands. We've had a few San Marcos bands, so... Uh, for the podcast, so so yeah, I can completely relate. It's it's uh it's an interesting dynamic here. I mean, San Antonio is metal city, but mm-hmm. it's not all that it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. San Antonio has a huge metal scene, but yeah, there's um, pretty much anything that you can think of is in San Antonio. I mean, you've got anyone from Los Nahualatos, you know, who's you know uh, very. <clears throat> you know, Spanish-influenced band. Um, We've got the skajecks, local ska band, you know, wonderful. Um, Honey Bunny, you know, I know that they were on your uh, cover stories in the past. And, you know, even a band like Honey Bunny, you know, recently introduced some horns into the last time they played at Charity Bar, you know? So that's what I mean, where I feel like, you know, even though bands that might not be ska, you know, horn, just having a horn section in general, you know, involved in music kind of just feels more open these days. Yeah. You know, I feel like people just people are just there to have fun, you know. And yeah, and with my uh, my account, SoTex, I just it's more just photojournalism. So it's me taking a lot of pictures around town, a lot of video around town and just trying to capture the live the feeling of what it's like to be at a live show. You know, I feel like there are so many local bands that really shine live. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the more challenges to being an up and coming starting band is that you have you're really heavy hit for resources. Um, so a lot of bands just sound better live; they just kill yeah. it live, you know. And so that's why I really wanted to focus on live music in my scene account.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's so funny because I I remember like being in bands in high school and we never had any music on our MySpace because we couldn't record. And if we did, it was bad. Um, so yeah, like you said, the resources, they're hard to come by. And we, you definitely want to pay good money for it because you want it to be sound good. But that's where, yeah, the live experience comes in. And I think that San Antonio in general has such a very committed scene Mm -hmm. Everyone who's a part of it is very friendly with most everyone, as long as you're not an asshole. (laughs) Um, So that's one thing I've learned just from doing the podcast and just, just started out as kind of like, oh, let's invite some friends on who play music. And then little by little, it's like, oh, like we're meeting new people, we're meeting new bands. And then they're talking about these other bands and they played with this other band and, and so on and so forth. And it's it's a real cool way to kind of see the integration of everything.
1: Yeah, I was very excited, like I said, when uh, I discovered that you were doing the cover stories. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, you know, Eric and I went to high school together. So, you know, shout out to Calm Arts. Yeah. Heroes. <laughs> but I am. Um, you know, I, I absolutely love the scene here because like you said, it, it's very much a community. You know, um, anyone who's in a band is probably in five different bands. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the same time. And, you know, people like, you know, Kevin goes to college, you know, all the, the people who are in there, Jen, Jason, and Gabe and everyone, they're still doing things in the scene. You know, people are still in different bands and stuff around. So it's still, it's still very much continuing on. I think there's just a, a really big love, you know, in the San Antonio scene. It's great.
0: For sure. Kevin goes to college was one of those bands that like i knew was big here but there was i i learned recently in the past five or six years that they were they had a big like nationwide following and um there's a there's a a web comic i don't know if it's still going around it's called 21 dead monkeys and um it's it's a ska basically a ska web comic and the main character the the person who writes it's semi-autobiographical she's from michigan and I remember she would talk about Kevin Goes to College all wow, the time. Yeah. Really?
1: Wow. <laughs> Shout out for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for a reason, you know. I mean, they're definitely catchy, you know. And when you've got someone like Jen on the front lines, you know, her energy is just, you know, it's just in cat in invigorating. It's just you know, everything about it is just, you know, capturing in the moment. You know, and like I said, you know, for anyone who liked Kevin Goes to College, you know, Scodjex is still around these days and um, you know, bite Bleed um, with Jen as well. You know, she's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know when the last time that they did a show was, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit of time, but yeah, you know, there's definitely um, a great scene in San Antonio these days.
0: Yeah. And it, it's just so cool that like, it's all the same people from when we were in high school. Like, I think that's awesome that there's not just a longevity aspect of it, but the fact that like, it's familiar, even if it's new, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think that there are so many people in, in bands like, um, like uh, the River City All-Stars and like, yes. you know, the, the uh, gosh, I'm going blank right now. Um, but but yeah, I just remember like catching up on all those bands when I was in high school and seeing like, oh, like that's the dude from that one band. Dude, He's doing this now.
1: Yeah. I mean, River City All-Stars has, you know, a special, special place in my heart. You know, Vince passed away last year and, you know, and so he was, you know, definitely homey and so definitely, um, you know, definitely one of those ska reggae bands and um, they, they've definitely been. They're actually kind of still around, you know, the uh, uh, lead singer from Young Costello has stepped in, um, John McAleja, and now, so he's their lead singer, and I believe they're still going to try to do a song, you know, uh, another show or two around. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, it's it's one of those things where, you know, people who have been playing music forever do it really, really well, and I am just feel so honored to get to be, you know, witnessing the whole thing. And honestly, that's just why I started so Tech Scene. it was just because I was having so much fun at these shows. You know, I was going to these shows and it's just one of those things where all of the live music is so good that you just want to tell people about it. You know, you just want to share it with the world. You know, it's just, how can not everyone not want to be here right now?
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I I think that, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for me too. I mean, the first shows I ever went to like on my own that my mom, didn't have to drop me off at were like Scott explosion shows and, and going to these shows to just, I mean, it was, it was, Just to be a part of something, even if it was just for like a night, you know, it wasn't anything like I wasn't on like street teams or anything like that. (laughs) But it was it was cool to be a part of.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Sam's Burger Joint was awesome. But, you know, I know that, you know, when we were in high school, you know, the White Rabbit was still around before it was a pizza place, you know, (laughs) back when it was just a concert venue. Uh, you know, Sin 13 was around back in the day. I remember seeing Fallout Boy play a, play a show at uh, Sin 13. Oh, really? Yeah, like a super small, tiny little venue. You know, it was probably half the size of White Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, yeah, back, I mean, we had a really great, I feel like, live music scene in high school. And it's one of those things that, um, you know, like you said, the music that you listen to back then is the music that you're going to fall in love with, you know. And even though I had... I had a later introduction to ska specifically. Like I said, I was, you know, very much at SIN-13 at back in the day. I remember seeing All American Rejects on their first album <laughs> at, you know, the White Rabbit and, you know, selling out the venue and, you know, things were just, it was a it was a it was a loving chaotic.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny even since SIN-13 because I, I saw the Mad Caddies there too. That was the first time I saw them. And that was actually the very first show that I ever drove myself to. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a friend who actually just passed away recently and I wanted to go. And my mom was like, well, you can go if a friend goes. And I hit him up. He's like, let's go. We're there. And of course, back in the day, there was like eight opening bands. (laughs) So like we're there. It's like 10 o'clock and like it's a school night. And I'm just freaking out because I really want to see this band. And his dad's like calling him. He thinks his dad thinks that we're doing like stuff we're not supposed to. <laughs> and he's just like, no, we're going to we're going to stay. We're going to watch as soon as they like ended. Like, we, I don't even know if they did an encore. It's like, All right, we got to go. It was like 1230. So I drive him back and I was so scared to talk to his dad for weeks. And then like a week, a few weeks later, I talked to him. I was like, yeah, you know, is, is your dad still mad at me? He's like, oh, no, he thought we were doing drugs. But when I told him we weren't, it was, it was cool. <laughs> I'm like, cool, all right, cool. So it's (laughs) cool to have that like special like need a special memory of going to this first show.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I have so many memories of going to Thankfully, I had a mother who, you know, was very supportive and would drop <laughs> me off and, you know, let me go to all these crazy shows. She was, I think she was definitely nervous every time it was a show with the White Rabbit. You know, it's, that's one of those venues where she doesn't really want to drop you off yeah. unless you're with a friend. But, you know, that's what high school's about, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's well, so nuts? Because the strip was so different back then too. Or at least it so felt different. different. So different. I think going, like, it's so funny because going now and, like, seeing the lights, everything's well lit now. And I remember going back then, it could just be from being a teenager, but it's looking at the mix and all the bikers that were at the mix, I'm just like, oh, like, this is kind of cool because it's dangerous. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, it's just a strip, man. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> so funny how, you know, many, kind of like, uh, you know, the multiple waves of sky, you know, I feel like the strip has gone through multiple phases, you know, Um, unfortunately post, you know, post COVID, um, you know, we've lost uh, La Botanica, we've lost Limelight, but, you know, I remember back in the day, back in the day when Limelight, you know, was first open they didn't have the pit, you know, they were very much just a, just a very pretty basic, they had some art on the walls, you know, very simple stage. And just seeing it grow and then unfortunately shut down, you know, very much tugs at the heartstrings for you know throwing it back memories
0: for sure I, I think the first band i saw at limelight was this band from denton dignan and big soy opened for them and my favorite thing about big Soy is a drummer played keyboard at the same time while he was playing drums and it was the coolest experience it was i think i was a senior in high school and i just remember feeling like oh like this is like this is before like hipster became a four-letter word but i was like oh this is cool like i I'm cool now. Like, I can see this. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is very, like, uh, bohemian, if you will.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when you were in high school, if your parents were dropping off of the strip, they were dropping off at the Vans Warped Tour, you know. Yeah. Like, it was either that or, the, you know, that or the Verizon Am- Amphitheater, you know, you're at one or the other.
0: <laughs> do you remember your first show at the White Rabbit? <laughs>
1: Gosh. Uh, no, I so I, I, I dated a local musician in high school and I want to say it was probably one of his shows. It was an old rock band uh, called Dead Inside and, um, you know, very traditional metal uh-huh. metal band. But yeah, it was it was trying to be supportive. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's uh, I think around maybe eight years ago, I started making an an, um, an Excel file of all the like touring shows I've gone to. And for the most part, I think I've gotten most of them because my first show ever was, well, first White Rabbit show was 2002 with the Ataris. Oh. And sugarcoat and Rufio, but Rufio canceled. Um, so it, it's it's cool to see that and I, I remember trying to like, you know, maybe I should try out a local bands I saw and that's like impossible. Uh, yeah. Like high school alone, like I could not remember most of those bands. So
1: many concerts. I mean what, you've got two or three every weekend, you know, yeah. back in the day when you know limelight was at its peak, you know.
0: Definitely. And then there's there's a line between like being supportive for friends' bands yeah. and then also wanting to see other bands and half the reason I joined a band in high school was to get into shows for free.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I, you know, I help the slackers with their website sometimes and you know, I, I just get free entry to their shows and really it's a perfect relationship because I want to be there and yeah. They want my help. So it works out, but yeah, you know, like with so tech scene, I, I tried, I try very much to, you know, go cover different bands. And, you know, it's been really hard um, during COVID and quarantine and the lack of live yeah. shows going on. So um, that's when I really transitioned to putting up stories and trying to promote, you know, other people's shows and just whatever people wanted. You know, I was trying to use that platform to help people with merch sales or whatever they were doing in COVID to help get along. So, you know, text kind of uh, so, tech scene kind of morphed during that time period, but I think it's also kind of helped a lot because um, you know we're just we're here for the local music community. You know, I really just want to help people. So, I, you know, I tell people if you've got a story, tag me in it. I'm happy to repost it and use that platform. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I think that you know it's something that that I have become a lot more. Um, I want to say active, but just a lot more. Like an, I've noticed it a lot more now. Um, I was definitely of the mind. You know, where I I kind of, like, I wanted I liked what I liked, and I was gonna, you know, I, I, when I think about, like, writing reviews, I don't like to write a review about something I don't like, so I didn't like talking about music I didn't like, but also... I've got friends and bands that I don't like. <laughs> so I, I'm finding the line between like being supportive, but also like, you know, like I, I, I this is what I'm going to do. I, I definitely want to help out my friends and, you know, cause why not? You know, absolutely, yeah, I don't need, don't need to look to cool all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're all here. But yeah that's, yeah, that's what music's all about. Right. You know, even if you don't necessarily quote unquote like it, I still appreciate it. You know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, I, I talk a lot and we've had, we had Wayne Holtz on here and, He's the number one fan of everybody. Like he (laughs) is so supportive and when he started playing shows, I'm like I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, I'm gonna be supportive of my friend and I go and I have such a good time. I'm like, oh, like I need to force myself to go out more because even if I'm going just to be supportive, I'm still gonna end up having a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not that the rain has done anything for us, <laughs> it's been raining for about four or eight weeks straight, it feels yeah. like, but you know, as soon as live shows come back, you know, the weather tried to shut us down here in Texas, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where if you want people to support your creative endeavors, you have to go support other people's creative endeavors.
0: For sure. Yeah, I
1: think it's really important to be supportive of friends.
0: You know. And, and there's, that, I mean, there's a whole like the, I mean, there's the hot topic a um, uh, concept, like the, the stickers of like support local music. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I was always just like, no, like support good local music. <laughs> but now I understand like, no, you want to support a whole scene just because you don't know what can come out of it in the sense that like you could be helping somebody secondhand that could become your favorite band even if you're going for your friend's band that you don't really love,
1: like. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I remember um, going, you know, at one of my first shows with the White Rabbit, like I said, was uh, All American Rejects on their first album and uh, Motion City Soundtrack opened for them. And it was before they really got popular and they sounded terrible live, <laughs> you know, but I remember um, really liking one of their songs and I picked up their album and I gave it to my best friend Consuelo at the time. And um, she, you know, it became her favorite band band you know oh cool
0: yeah Yeah. that's
1: how we kind of you know you might be going for somebody else but then you know you just happen to be there and you experience something that's just great and you know you didn't even know it you didn't even expect it so you know i definitely encourage people to go to local shows you know go check out a venue maybe you haven't been to before and you know just give it a shot
0: yeah for sure was that i am the movie the first motion c soundtrack
1: oh yeah (laughs) oh goodness
0: that's my favorite of their albums and it may not even be i don't even know if it's the best but i i I love it because i was dating someone in high school and i let her borrow it and she broke up with me (laughs) and she was going to give it back to me but i was like no out of yeah. spite, I was like, "I will rebuy it." I literally
1: rebought. <laughs> <laughs> it was the symbolism? <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. So that has a special place in my heart because I it's like the only album I've ever rebought oh, <laughs> for a so petty literally. reason.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I one of the uh, the albums that I had to uh, reintroduce into my life, um, actually, funny enough, was um, Bare Naked Ladies back in the day. Oh yeah, it's really funny story of um, when I was a kid um, when I was in elementary school, and you know they came out with their you know insanely. Popular popular song uh you know two weeks uh, one week yeah Yeah, one week sorry (laughs) and um and so of course but you know to the mother of like a 12 year old the name (laughs) of the band bare naked ladies you know it's terrible and so my mother threw threw away my cassette like i had it and I remember, actually, I think I had it on CD at the time, you know, back at the Walkman era. And uh, my mother threw it away. She was like, you're not going to be listening to this. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so there's this, like, you know, internal family story where my mom rebought that album for me, you know, <laughs> years and years later when I was an adult. And she realized, you know, absolutely, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> you know, they're actually a pretty, pretty fun band.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've, I've heard someone else have a similar story. I think that they, like, it thinking like this sounds like a metal band like yeah. bare naked ladies and then they're like oh this is like pop rock pop, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> nothing to be afraid of <laughs>
0: <laughs> well hey thanks uh thanks for coming on um is there anything else you want to add anything you want to plug promote
1: um yeah, no, just um, check out so Tech Scene on Instagram. Um, we're definitely going to be trying to get a little more into uh, photo shoots and videography. So tag us in any stories you guys want reposted. We're here to support the community. Check us out on Facebook. Um, we do have the Spotify playlist that's going on as well. Check out some of your favorite you know, new singles that got released this year. So really appreciate
0: you um, inviting me on. For sure. Definitely. I mean, you're definitely somebody we want to have on. Because of everything that you're doing, but also it's just fun to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's great. It's an excuse to talk about ska, which we don't talk about enough on here. (laughs) I agree. So yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you so much.